Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking Circles. I'm Clayton Caldwell, Spencer Cowan, and Philip Matthews joining us a little bit later. Tonight, we have a great show. We have uh, Live Fast Racing's co-owner, Matt Tift. He's going to join the show, Live Fast Racing, in their first year of operation here in 2021. We're going to discuss the team's debut, what he's looking forward to, Matt's health. You know, he, he was a former driver, had to take a backseat to racing due to health issues. We'll discuss that. He made a recent donation to the Epilepsy Foundation. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, and his team's outlook for 2021, it's going to be a lot of fun, so stay tuned for that. We'll also talk about uh, a couple of the silly season news. There's been more Daytona 500 entries uh, and interesting news in the NASCAR Xfinity and Truck Series. We'll get to as well, and we'll also do our uh, 2021 season preview part two, where I'm going to ask a couple of questions and have them answer, and we'll answer and give our best predictions as far as who is going to do that. Uh, if you like what you hear, you want to call in. Uh, the number to call in is 917-889-8280. That's the number to call tonight. At any time you want to call in, uh, please do so. That is the number to call. So let's get started. Let's talk to. Uh, let's let's talk about some of the silly season news we talk, we saw in the Daytona 500. Uh, it's going to be a wild Daytona 500, Spencer. We keep talking about new entries. We had three last week, only one this week, but a significant one that we could discuss. It was announced on Wednesday that he was going to enter, and his sponsorship and numbers been revealed since then. Um, Austin Sindrick, we, there was talk he was going to enter. It's official, a 13 Penske car. He's going to run as an open car. Number 33, kind of a crazy number. When you think of 33 in NASCAR, you think of Harry Gantt. You think of Robert Presley in that uh, 33 car. Uh, Kenny Schrader in that Skull car. The, the guys who drove that Skull car all the way through the 80s and 90s. And then you think of Clint Boyer, who was in a 33 in Richard Childress Racing. But uh, number 33 Ford for Team Penske, that is what Austin Cendrick's going to drive to try and make the Daytona 500. And the sponsor is very interesting. Is Verizon Wireless. Uh, Verizon 5G is going to be on the car. A nice-looking race car. Spencer, what were your thoughts when you saw uh, the news about Austin Cindric entering the Daytona 500 and the sponsorship of Verizon and the number 33 Ford for Team Penske? I was more shocked over the sponsor uh, more than him coming in and racing the 500 or trying to make his way into the 500. Uh, I mean, he's he's going to have a good shot. I mean, he's in the fast race car. He's going to have three uh, teammates that are – Really good on plate uh, plate tracks, you know, with Blaney, and then arguably two of the best in NASCAR uh, on the track today with Joey and Brad on plate tracks. Um, I don't see an issue with him making the race, but I thought it was cool that uh, they're going to get in another entry, and it's only going to make these duels even more exciting. I cannot wait. I got my tickets purchased for the duels, and uh, there's uh, every car in the duel is going to have a, a a decent shot at making it, um, and there's so many good cars in that duel or the duels, that uh, it's a toss-up on who makes it. You know, I think they're really going to have to race um, because the cars are that good. It's not like Cendric's going out and racing, um, you know, NBM. No offense to NBM, but they're just not compared to each other. So I think these duels are – it's shaping up to be one hell of two races um, under the lights of Daytona, and I cannot wait. So uh, fast car, he's, he's a good driver. And uh, the sponsor's even cooler. I was shocked to see Verizon on there. And the car looks good. Uh, they did a really good job with it. Yeah, I didn't expect to see Verizon. I thought maybe uh, Moneyline was going to be part of it as well. I know they've kind of had issues with them, but it looks like Moneyline might be back. But I thought for sure that was what was going to be the sponsor. But apparently not. Um, 
It's going to be Verizon Wireless. And a couple of interesting points, in, and you brought up a great point about the duels, and we'll get to them in a second. But Verizon Wireless, to me, is, it, it's the first time we've really seen this sponsor be on a race car. Uh, Alltel Wireless, which Verizon acquired, was on the 12 car at Team Penske, at Team Penske, Penske Racing South, whatever you want to call it, years and years ago. Um, and then once that merger happened, they couldn't really put Verizon on the car anymore because of the Sprint. Sprint wouldn't let them do that. Uh, they had a sort of an exclusivity deal with, with cell phone companies, and you know, Alltel and Singular were, were grandfathered in. But once the mergers happened, Alltel with or Singular, excuse me, with AT&T and Alltel with Verizon, both of those companies could no longer be on the race car. And it was a big deal. I mean, there was one time where Penske tried with David Stremme. They tried to run uh, what was a, a Verizon-backed race car but couldn't put Verizon logos on it. And, uh, you know, just had Penske on the car, and it was just trying to be like, you know, well, it's Verizon, but it's not kind of deal. Um, so it's nice to see a sponsor, which I always felt it was a bad thing. That was a bad thing for the sport and the, and the cell phone companies because I felt like it left a sour taste in their mouths in, in, in the Cup Series. So it's good to see Verizon say, you know what, we're going to go to NASCAR. We're going to go to the Daytona 500 and, and hopefully make this race. I mean, for them at least, uh, you talked about the duels. It's going to be very, very interesting in my opinion, this is going to be the last sort of hurrah with these duels, with these charters the way they are now, uh, with how much money these cars are going to cost next year when they build new race cars. The initial cost is going to cost these owners a lot of money. So the the, the reason why we're seeing such a – part of the reason why we're seeing such a, a deep field in this Daytona 500 is because you're getting the, the older cars, the Gen 5s, on, on the cheaper end of it. You know, guys aren't really building super speedway cars – after this year, and they're, they're selling their older super speedway cars to teams who look at it and say, well, you know, uh, do I really, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just buying a super speedway car to, to be as competitive as I can. And so it's very interesting to see uh, this is going to be the last hurrah for what I considered always for years before these charters came and really before the top 35 rule came uh, for years, the greatest races of the weekend at speed week. So, uh, it's good to see the duel have a little bit of intensity with it. One driver from each, if they don't change the rules, which I don't think they're going to do, but one driver from each duel is going to make this for Daytona 500. Two from qualifying to make it in on their speeds. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, and and uh, it's going to be excellent, excellent speed weeks. Uh, start to speed weeks before we get going to the Daytona 500. Uh, you know, what I one of the things I found interesting too, Spencer was Miles Stanley who. Um, is a, uh, an engineer for Ryan Blaney's team uh, is going to be the crew chief of that number 33 Ford for Austin Cindric. So it's not like they're putting the, the, you know, they're putting some guy on there who's got a lot of familiarity with these cup cars and knows how to, how to build these cars for Daytona. So uh, they're giving them the best shot they possibly can to make this Daytona 500. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, we're not sure how many um, races he's going to run. You know, obviously I would assume the road courses, I mean, he could very well go out and win half of them. I mean, he's that good on a road course. I mean, he's running the Rolex 24. But as far as that, we don't know how many he's going to run. So it does, it won't hurt to pull that guy from Blaney's team to go be a crew chief um, for one race on top of the box. Uh, so in, instead of trying to find a whole new guy to hire, just bring somebody in on house, like you said, that has um, a lot of uh, experience around the race cars and can go out and um, do good on top of the box, make good calls, and keep the car out of trouble. Well, Austin has to keep the car out of trouble, but just make good call, uh, calls, um, pitch strategy, and uh, go from there. So not a bad 
hire, you know, get somebody that's familiar with the team too. You know, that's huge. Just, uh, he knows everything about Penske. Uh, so, you know, like he said, he's coming from Blaney's to be on top of the box. And so he knows these cars. He knows the, uh, the surroundings, the style of Penske. And, you know, that can, that can be a game changer really, instead of bringing somebody new that's never been with Penske to come over and run a race, you know, you kind of feel like a fish out of water. Um, you know, if that makes sense. So, uh, I think he's going to do fine. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting duels for sure. And, uh, you know, one of the cool things is that, you know, he talked about growing up in team Penske, obviously his dad, uh, is in a hierarchy position there at team Penske. So it's going to be cool to see, um, if he can make the Daytona 500 in his first shot, um, with the team that his father's worked for, um, pretty much, you know, since he's been a little kid. Uh, so, Ladies and gentlemen, on this show, I want to bring on uh, Matt Tift, who's the co-owner of Live Fast Racing here for 2021, making their season debut at the Daytona 500, of course, here in a couple of weeks. Matt, thanks so much for joining the show tonight. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. No problem. So, uh, first things first, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of people out there who are curious about your health situation. It was such a sad situation a few years ago at, at, at Martinsville when we figured out that, you know, here's this young driver who uh, was running for Rookie of the Year and um, unfortunately had a, a, a brain issue that took you out of the race car seizure, uh, that took you out of a race car, and it wasn't the first time in your career that happened. And, uh, you know, I, I know you posted a video recently on social media about this, but can you just let the fans know who are wondering about your health situation and what that's all about and uh, how you're doing right now? Yeah, so, you know, as you noted there in uh... – 2019 in October, I had a, a seizure at uh, Martinsville Speedway the morning of practice there, and I had never had one before. You know, I had a um, brain tumor back in 2016, and that was taken out and went back to racing and all that kind of stuff, but never had I experienced anything like that. And, um, you know, that was definitely tough to go through. Um, you know, it wasn't easy by any means. And I think the, the biggest thing was um, not understanding why or what had happened. And so, I had another one in December um, of 2019, and I kind of went silent on it for a bit in 2020. Um, you know, during that time period, I was actually diagnosed with epilepsy in January, and I just never put it out there. Uh, I think, it, and that was in big reason because, you know, I think in my mind, I was still hoping to return to driving um, the race car. And uh, as time went on, you know, I was done with really bad anxiety, um, really bad, you know, mental health issues and stuff because of what was going on in the meantime, I was still having more seizures. And that summer of last year, I went up to university and hospitals in Cleveland. And so we did a, a 10 day long study, um, with sleep deprivation, um, strobe lights, you know, any test I could do, um, to try and figure out what was going on. And because of that, uh, we were able to not pinpoint at all, but at least get a general idea of what we thought was happening. And um, with that being said, I was able to, you know, get, a medic get on a medication that seemed to um, help out more. It wasn't, you know, perfect still. We're still trying to get the right answer. But, um, you know, I haven't had one since November. And, um, you know, to get back to driving streetcar was a, was a big deal for me and still is. So, I'm hoping to get to that point in the six-month point of not having a seizure. But, you know, I was officially diagnosed with epilepsy. But I think the biggest reason I came out and announced it was because, um, you know, even though it was a year ago I was diagnosed with it, I never came out with it because I just wasn't 
mentally there yet. You know, I just wasn't ready to take that step and, um, you know, let myself accept it or, or anything like that. And so it's been, um, you know, a few months coming of me wanting to do this. And I think it's finally the right time. And it's been, um, you know, a big sense of relief since that's happened to um, really put that out there in the public and have other people reach out that, um, that have been, you know, in similar situations or still fighting with epilepsy. And um, it, it's been a, a big, you know, weight off my chest for sure to get that out there. Uh, and listen, we, we really are pulling for you and hope that the worst is behind you. We know you made a $7,800 donation to the Epilepsy Foundation uh, really kind, uh, uh, generous of you of you to do that. Uh, what was your thoughts behind that, and why did you d- decide to do that to, to raise awareness for the Epilepsy Foundation? Okay, you know, I think for me, I never knew the um, stigma behind epilepsy, just because of the fact that it's kind of an invisible disease because you can't really see it until something happens. So you know, in every day to day life, I'm me, I'm Matt. You know, I'm, I'm no different than I was the day before. Um, but when that happens, you know, it's an electrical firestorm that goes on in your brain. Nobody can see it until, you know, you convulse or something like that. And, um, you know, some of the new medication that I'm on is because of those, you know, donations and things like that, that they've been able to develop and, and make um, a lot of advances in that field. And, you know, one in 10 people will have a series or, uh, in their life, and there's millions and millions of people in the U.S., uh, let alone the world, that have epilepsy. And so, you know, I really wanted to help out with that, um, as well as, you know, the $7,800 donation came from our car number, being the number 78 and starting this new venture and kind of a fresh start for myself, um, it became a big deal to make that donation, um, not only that, but um, to be able to try to help out um, in the community. And, you know, I've, I've been a big part of the National Brain Tumor Society in years past, and the American Brain Tumor Association and still will continue with those, but um, this was a big deal just for me to kind of, um, you know, get settled in, in the new role that I was in with the race team and, and really a new cause, too, because of the things that I'm fighting on a daily basis with that. Hey, Matt, this is Spencer. Just want to tell you thanks for coming on. And, um, yeah, I just want to know what was your thought press thought process behind creating, you know, live fast racing um, live fast racing. Obviously, a lot of things had to come together, but can you explain the process of why you thought it was a good decision on your part to um, become an owner and start your own team? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing was obviously when that happened and how Martinsville, you know, I've worked for so many years to get to that point in my NASCAR driving career. And when that happened, you know, I was kind of um, just in disbelief for a few months and didn't know where to turn to or what to do. And um, I've always been good friends with Peter McLeod. And we just kind of started talking about, you know, maybe someday uh, owning a cup team together and was really just, you know, uh, an idea over dinner. And um, we got to the summer months and lo and behold, there is, um, we were hearing some rumors of some opportunities. So we um, started really talking about, you know, Hey, what would it look like if we could raise the money to go buy a charter and a team? And the charter piece was the biggest um, part of it to be able to be, you know, be locked into all races and have that asset behind the car. And, uh, you know, I think that was such a big deal for us to be able to, um, you know, join in and be a part of, um, you know, the cup series and be a part of this next generation of cars and tracks and everything NASCAR is doing. 
Uh, but we we really gave it about a 10 or 20% chance of actually happening. And all of a sudden we get a call and, you know, someone's interested in, in selling a charter um, and it was go fast racing. And we, we jumped on as soon as we could. And, um, you know, out of that, um, Live Fast Motorsports was formed. And, you know, it was a very quick process. It was a very fast process, but also very stressful because there's a lot of bidders in it. And, um, you know, not everybody of the new teams coming in has a charter. So for us to be able to say that, um, is a huge deal for us, but it also lets us build for, you know, one, two, five, ten, twenty years down the road um, as NASCAR evolves and changes, but we know that we can be a part of that, and um, that's really exciting for us to, um, you know, to, to be uh, involved in, in that growth and next um, group of people in NASCAR, and, you know, we're not sitting here saying we're going to go in the day 2500 and compete for championship. You know, it's going to be a building process and, and a long process, um, but we are, you know, we're here to be here for the future and grow and um, execute to the best level of our budget. You mentioned uh, your partner, BJ McLeod, who um, race fans are familiar with. He's driven in the cup, in the cup series for a while. He runs his own Xfinity series teams as well. What does he bring to your team? And why did you decide to partner with him? What made him, you mentioned being friends with him, but what made him the right person to partner with and, and for you personally? Yeah, I mean, first off, it's the, the relationship. You know, he taught me how to drive a car, a uh, stock car, for the first time when I was 12 years old. And I originally, um, you know, started racing with his late model team. And I went on to be the first um, driver in his cup, I mean, his truck series team. Um, and then we just had a great relationship over the years with his Xfinity team. I, he grew and, and drove in that. And really what it came down to was, you know, he had so much know-how of how to operate a team um, efficiently and um, cost-effectively and be able to, like I said, maximize um, where you run based on your budget. So not overspending, but also not cutting corners. And um, I think it just made a lot of sense because he had the car knowledge. He had the, the know-how between him and his wife, uh, Jessica, who, um, who run the team um, on the Xfinity side. And so when I came in to the deal, it was really – Hey, we'd love to have your, you know, expertise and also, um, you know, the things that BJ is strong at, but from the car side and the competition side, um, I can provide some help. But really, my strengths are in the admin, the sponsor side, and, and the PR side and things like that that he wasn't really accustomed to. So it works out really well. Um, one, because we have a great dynamic and we get to strategize with each other and we know each other's quirks. I mean, he was my Friday night movie buddy every every weekend. We were racing on the Cup side, um, but you know, beyond that. He is a very, very smart businessman, so it, it allows me to bounce ideas that I have off of him and vice versa, and we really connect on the same level. And, you know, he's, he's always been like an older brother to me. So um, to get that chance, which, you know, most people wouldn't uh, think that from looking on the outside, but uh, he's always been that person there for me. So uh, it's been really cool, uh, but I think the biggest reason is that it works is because um, our strengths and weaknesses really coincide very well and we kind of pick each other up where the other one may be lacking. Yeah, man, I just had a question. Did the 20, did the new car coming in 2022, did that help make the decision to own a team with, with that? Did it make it easier to start the team or, um, well, <laughs> To be honest with you, when we were planning on it, we um, we didn't think that we were going to be buying any Gen 6 cars. So um, that was kind of an unexpected cost in there, uh, but we couldn't turn away the opportunity at the same time. So that was a weird kind of a deal because all of a sudden we bought the team. We're going, 
Oh boy, we need to go buy some equipment. So we bought a lot of the go fast racing equipment there. And, uh, that was, that was pretty interesting because like I said, you know, because of COVID and everything going on, we were fully expecting like the normal NASCAR rollout to go uh, 2021 with a new car. And, you know, that really was an interesting part of trying to get that team together and the parts and pieces together. And ultimately, um, we weren't planning on it, but at the same time, it's been good because we all are starting from a notebook that we kind of know and it's pieces and parts of the cars that are known, the pit crew and how that works is known. Um, so it's actually not a bad thing because it allows us to, um, really get some good team chemistry together, uh, and get some things together on the team side that really wouldn't be there. Um, you know, if we were scrambling trying to get to this new, uh, next gen cars. So especially with this COVID deal right now, you know, the sponsorship deal, luckily we've been able to sign some great partners already and there's some more to be announced, but, um, you know, it's hard to find sponsors because of what's going on and, and people just not setting their budgets right now. Uh, and I think that's an industry-wide deal that you fight. So um, it, it was definitely a nice buffer here to be able to raise some revenue and to be able to go to the races with cars that already exist that are a little bit cheaper um, for when we do make the leap to the next-gen car that, you know, we'll be ready. I'm completely ready for it. Not that we wouldn't have been, but you get your systems in place and get things um, where they need to be. Obviously, the equipment is a big deal. Uh, Matt and and everybody understands, you know, to be a winner in this sport, uh, equipment's one one aspect of it. But the other aspect of it is people. Uh, you know, I'm a big believer in the saying, "People win championships." Uh, do you feel that way? And who are some of the key people that is going to be on your team this year that's going to help you accomplish your goals for 2021? Uh, people is such a big deal. You know, a lot of it goes to the driver and crew chief relationship, and we'll be announcing our crew chief uh, probably later this week, actually. And, um, you know, just that, that relationship in there is so big. Um, I mentioned we bought a lot of the assets from Go Fast Racing as far as the equipment, but we also were fortunate enough to um, keep a few people over from that team too. So having that, um, having that workflow of those guys being um, comfortable with each other is a big, big deal. And beyond that, I mean, it's a it's a tough deal um, running a team that doesn't have a full you know full out budget. It's a it's a hard task to complete because you have to be able to like I said maximize the pieces and parts that you're given and can afford. And that's a you know it's maximizing what you can get through tech. It's maximizing what you can do from the engineering standpoint without having 200 engineers um, you know at your side in a different wing of your building. You know we don't have that. Um, and that's where we rely on our Stuart Haas Racing, um, you know, strategic partnership um, to get some ideas off of them. But at the same time, it's a very basic um, relationship now that we're trying to grow as time goes on. Um, but we're so thankful to have that partnership, too. So um, the people part of it on our team, they, they've been nothing but awesome. But at the same time, you know, Stuart Haas Racing, um, being able to use their pit crews and bounce some ideas and things off them to learn more. Um, and just really how to run a race team. You know, they, they've come a long ways from their beginning days. So I think as we go on and learn, learn more about what we need to do and need not to do, um, there'll be a great place for us to, um, you know, kind of say, hey, is this the right thing? Is this the wrong thing? Certainly. Or, uh, and Philip Matthews, go ahead, Philip. Yeah, thanks, Clayton. I uh, want to thank you, Matt, for coming on and, uh, and for your time and for everything that you've done, not only as a driver and now as an owner, I wanted to ask you this. We're two weeks away from teams loading up for Daytona. What are your emotions now? Nat, you've, you've been a driver going to Daytona. 
dealing with the the pressure of going in whether it's the ARCA 200 or the 300 miler, but now you're going to be an owner in the Daytona 500. What is that feeling like now with knowing that you and BJ are going to be in the Daytona 500 here in a couple of weeks? What is that feeling like? You know, it's so different um, for myself driving in the Daytona 500 because you know, when I drove the 500 the first time, it was so anxious feeling because I'd never run a cup race before then. I remember just being freaked out the whole time. And, um, you know, somebody told me to try to just soak it in, um, try to enjoy it. And that really helped out that advice. Um, but, you know, it's it's an interesting part being an owner because you're trying to get sponsors together and trying to get cars together, make sure you have inventory, make sure your stickers are right, make sure your pit box is good. There's just so many things you have to get in place. Um, so January is kind of thrash month, and you just try to make sure that everything's good to go. And it's really uh, a different feeling because I don't have the pressure of being a driver, which is nice. And my pressure was selling the 500, which we were able to do. And again, we'll be able to announce that soon. But um, that was the biggest pressure for me was making sure, you know, being a new team and not having the cash flow right away, that we were in a good spot sponsorship-wise to get down there. You know, the guys relying on that and the team relies on that part of it. Um, but beyond that, you know, it's, it's honestly, I'm looking forward to getting down there to get the season going because um, the limbo phase is stressful because you just want to go. Um, you know what you need to do week in, week out. You know what the budget is going to be. Um, and honestly, you're just waiting to, to get down there. So I guess I'm more excited about the anticipation of getting there. Um, whereas as a driver, you know, driving the Daytona 500 for the first time as a rookie, um, I was more excited but also nervous and stressed and to me i think the um the relief will be when they fire up the engines for the 500 and i get to sit back for a little bit because i know all these hard um this hard work for these last few months will be um coming to fruition and, and of course you have to keep on going all year long but at the same time it's like now we're now we're rolling you know now it's real and looking at the cars in the shop every day it's uh, it's pretty surreal to let it try and sink in there um, but it doesn't become real until you hear the, the engines fire up and you hear the duels going, qualifying and practice and all that kind of stuff going. Um, but then even that doesn't matter until you get to the day of the 500. So um, I'm just so excited to get to that point, and it'll be a big sense of relief, but also accomplishment. You know, I've been through so much the last year um, that I think this will be really the start of a new chapter, and I'm so excited, and I've been so excited going to go in the shop and doing these things with Fast Motorsports, but um, seeing the car fire off and go, um, yeah, I know it's going to be one of those moments that I really never forget. Uh, you're listening to Talking in Circles, Clayton Caldwell, Philip Matthews, Spencer Cowan here with, with uh, co-owner of Live Fast Racing, Matt Tift, joining the show. A couple of more here, Matt, if you don't mind. Um, one question I got is, what, what's your long-term goal for this organization? You touched on a little bit earlier where you said even, you know, you mentioned 10, 20 years down the road, um, what's your long-term goal for this organization? Do you want to be a multi-car operation? Uh, you know, just kind of let the fan, kind of give the fans an idea of what what your long-term goals are for this organization. Yeah, you know, everything everything we do based um, bases off of the partnerships you build, whether that's with um, the manufacturer, the sponsors, and partners you have there. Uh, so the goal every year is to try and increase our, um, you know, our partnership levels, whether that's again with the manufacturers or our alliances or the sponsors that we do have. So it's just baby steps each year. Like I said before, it's going to be maximizing our budget, um, 
and executing on that budget. So uh, maybe we're a 28th place car this year. Next year we're a 27th place car. Maybe that's how you grow each year. You know, it just depends on that side of things. But as we all know in the sport, money buys speed. And so we just got to do a good job executing for our partners that we do have. And um, I think the other, the other part of it too is looking that far down the road, um, being able to sit here and talk about it. We don't know um, what NASCAR is going to look like. I mean, this next-gen car is going to change everything. And I think the the biggest thing is just trying to be strategic and not um, be a one-and-done team. You know, we're here for the long haul, and the goal, of course, eventually is to be able to be competitive and compete for championships. But you don't get there today. You don't get there tomorrow. You do it slowly and gradually and with baby steps. And if we continue that approach – um, we will get there one day. Um, but, you know, it's hard to say right now what that's going to look like because it could be five years, it could be three years, it could be 10, it could be 40. Like, we have no idea. Um, and that's the cool thing about it because we just can take control of what we um, control ourselves. And really, at that point, we just kind of control our own destiny and we make our decisions together to um, try to be in the best spot possible. And, and you know, a lot of these guys that are in um, top spots now between Hendrick and RCR and um, you should even look at uh, Stuart Haas racing. They all started from somewhere that wasn't, you know, immediately a championship winning team, but they grew to that. I mean, look at Joe Gibbs racing. So, and furniture row before, you know, they closed their doors. So it's a big deal to dream. Of course you have to dream, you know, that's why anybody ever gets into this deal and you put a long-term business plan together. Um, but right now being brand new, uh, you, you got to keep your feet on the ground and just keep on working every day for what we do have and where we want to go this year and this weekend. And, um, we keep on working on the partner side and try to keep on growing that to where hopefully one day we can be in that championship position and fighting for wins in the sport. Yeah. I was just curious. Does, um, does being a former driver give you an advantage, um, being a car owner, um, like, can you provide more information? Um, how does that, or if does it have an effect at all with you being a former driver? I don't totally know yet. I think it helps from the sponsor side of knowing what, you know, we have two drivers myself and BJ. So it helps from that side of knowing what obligations are, um, what it's like to drive in the cars. So right now my knowledge is relevant to these cars because I've driven them. Um, so I can give a little bit of input to our crew chief and competition director, but um, really it's, uh, it, you know, next year that goes out the window. So I kind of become useless from that department. Um, but I mean, it's, you know, it is a benefit because I've been able to work the sponsor game before and I know what that's like. And I think that's, that's a big advantage is knowing how to talk that game and be able to say, Hey, I've been in this position before um, as a driver. Now I'm on a team, I'm team ownership side. And so I think that part has been really cool and helpful. Um, but on the other side, uh, no, because it's all so new. Um, you know, he being BJ, he gets to drive the car. So he knows the budgets and um, what we can and can't tear up when we shouldn't um, push the button when we shouldn't. And I think that's something he really excels at, and that's where he's better than me because I've been with some um, you know, larger teams that don't have to worry about things like that. So that's where he really comes into play because he can be so efficient with that. And, um, you know, it, it's, not a, it's not a given because your driver can be successful as an owner. I have to, I've had to go back to school and learn this stuff, and I'd say I'm far, far more involved in NASCAR today than I was as a driver. And, Matt, I appreciate you coming on. I know uh, 
you know, you're real busy with, with everything going on, you know, two weeks till Daytona. We appreciate you coming on. We wish you guys the best of luck here in your first season in 2021. All right. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate the time. No problem. Thank you. That was Matt Tift, co-owner of Live Fast Racing, uh, making their uh, inaugural season their debut in the Daytona 500 during speed weeks here in 2021. Uh, it's going to be an interesting, you know, a little bit of an interesting season for that team because of the fact that they're going to be in their first season. Uh, and, you know, he talked about his goals and how really they didn't uh, – what was interesting was, you know, I think they when they originally kind of planned this, at least the way I took it was they had the, the new car on their mind in 2021, but then COVID happened, pushed everything back. NASCAR said, well, delay the car a year, and they kind of had to reverse course here and say, okay, we're going <laughs> to, you know, um, buy the Gen 5 cars and get all the equipment that they needed for this year. But, uh, you know, wish them luck. It's going to be very interesting to see. And you love seeing new teams start up. They're not the only ones that you got track house uh, coming out this year as well. So it's going to be very uh, – Spire's got another team they're going to bring down to as well from a one-car operation to a two-car operation for Spire this year. So uh, that's on a, just on a Cup Series side of things. So we wish him uh, the best of luck here in 2021. Um, a couple of other interesting silly season news, Spencer. Uh, I'll start with you here. Um, you know, we talked about Austin Sidrick, and that was on the Cup Series side of things. But, you know, a very interesting announcement this week about Jordan Anderson, and, and uh, we've, we've known Jordan Anderson for a couple of years, long, long time here now. He's been in the truck series five or six years, um, and he's decided to expand his program into the NASCAR Xfinity Series. going to be number 31, Chevrolet, Bomberito Auto Group is going to be the sponsor, at least for Daytona. There's going to be other partners that they bring on as well the year, but uh, what made it interesting was here's a guy who's just run full-time in trucks the last four or five years and decides this is the year to make the jump to the Xfinity Series what were your thoughts when you saw uh, Anderson make announce that he was going to make the move to the, to the Xfinity Series? Well, I was a little shocked just because how close we are. And, uh, you know, with us being so close, you know, we know him as a truck driver, so nothing really new has come out about his team. So you just kind of figured he was going truck racing again, and uh, he's grown that team um pretty big well not pretty big but better than where he started and he owns a team or owns a shares a t- shop with um um i forget you guys know he shares a shop with um another truck driver austin Wayne and um there you thank you austin so yep. they have the shop together and i think they're you know kind of family by marriage so you know they got good things going on over there and you know, they got, you know, truck teams in there already, and he's been around the sport enough to know um, what to do, what it takes to run his team. And, you know, he's owner-driver, small team, doesn't have a lot of employees. And and so it's cool to see him expand and go to the next level. And, you know, maybe he sees – maybe there's a reason why he went Xfinity. Maybe he can see him um, competing for a championship better in the Xfinity Series because you look now, you know, you got a lot of – a lot of teams, you know, GMS has five trucks. So there's five teams that are stout. The truck series is really good, and so is the Xfinity series, but, you know, he might have seen something, you know, that he could probably run better. Um, he's still going to keep his truck team, I believe. No, There's no word on the driver, um, but he could probably get, you know, some Chevy drivers in there to run it from the Cup Series if they want to go run a race, if that's his goal to keep the trucks. So I was kind of shocked, you know, the same sponsor um, is going over to be on board the Xfinity program, and I wish him nothing but the best. I mean, me and you were in the stands with your brother 
and uh, when, you know, he almost won the truck race. And, you know, that was um, pretty cool and a big moment for his team. And so I'd like to see him run well. And he's a good guy in the sport. And, I mean, just lost the race by a fender, and he was smiling and act like he won. So he's a good guy, and um, I was pretty shocked to see he was going Xfinity racing. Yeah, I had, you know, gotten some inklings about this, uh, you know, about a couple of days before it was announced. And I, to be honest, I wasn't sure how serious it was. Um, I thought, okay, you know, maybe he's going to run Daytona for another organization. I didn't know he was going to bring his entire, expand his entire organization up from trucks uh, to the Xfinity Series. He's going to run full-time in the Xfinity. He's going to run part-time in trucks. They haven't announced a driver pass uh, the Daytona race. They announced in the Daytona truck race uh, that he's going to run the Daytona truck race number three. But, you know, it sounds like they're going to go with another driver um, past that. You know, other drivers as the season moves along in the truck series. But, well, interesting, um, you know, again, a, a guy who you like a lot because he's he's doing it sort of his own way. So uh, that's that's why I look at this, Philip, and I think, um, you know, just you, have, you can't help but pull for the guy. Uh, it, it, I think what Spencer said has has a lot of merit as far as, you know, the truck series is very, very deep this year, and maybe he feels like he, he can make the playoffs in the Xfinity series if they have a good year. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on Anderson going to Xfinity? I mean, Jordan Anderson's a fan favorite underdog guy. The way that the Xfinity series is, you definitely have the big teams that have cup ownership connections. Jordan Anderson's in that, like, uh, I mean, the cutoff situation, like where Brandon Brown was at last year. And, you know, you think about the – I'm trying to figure – Remember, like, you know, uh, Jeremy Clements and some of the other teams that are kind of the cutoff teams. So, Jordan Anderson can compete. He's a good driver, and he'll give you a good top 15 to 20 finish every week. Um, Is that enough to go and get into the playoff? We don't know yet. But in terms of the rookie class, and, you know, you run all 36 races. If he goes and makes the playoffs somehow, uh, he's in. He's going to win Rookie of the Year, the way the rules are now. So um, credit to him, credit to his family to be able to go and run a Xfinity program in this spot. And, um, you know, can, and, and reading the reading the tea leaves, to where he knows that trucks or the truck situation is going to be a lot harder to go and make the playoffs where he's at in the Xfinity. There's only two more spots, but relative to uh, the field level, he's like, yeah, I can run for rookie of the year. I could possibly make the playoffs. You know, you don't know what's going to happen at Daytona when they go and destroy each other. So, um, Jordan Anderson almost won uh, the 250 a couple of years ago, so he could go on James Bush right and win Rookie of the Year, and it wouldn't be crazy. So we'll see what happens. It was shocking. I wasn't expecting yeah. that. I was figuring he was going to be in a truck, but hey, 
Um, credit to him and credit to the family and the whole organization that they're going to be moving uh, Xfinity Racing. It's another good car, for sure. For sure, and I tell you, it's um, it's going to I think add for me a little bit of an intrigue. Just like you said, you know, the last couple of years in the Xfinity series, it's been pretty much where you can guess the top twelve, or at least you know, in the middle of the year, we know our twelve guys that are going to make the playoffs. We sit there and we go, okay, you know, 13th is way far back. Unless somebody pulls off a miracle win like Clements did at a road course a few years back, um, it's pretty much set in stone. Uh, I'm not sure that's going to be the case this year in the Xfinity Series, and I think Jordan Anderson's going to have a lot to do with that. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. One of the most more interesting announcements here we had this week um, was the announcement that Rackley War Racing, they announced their driver and their team uh, and their number – for the season, uh, they're going to be the number 25 Chevrolet. They're going to have an affiliation with G- GMS Racing, and their driver, most interestingly, is going to be Timothy Pierce, who's going to run the full year. Um, and a guy who I've been very, very high on, and not to, you know, toot my own horn or hear anything, but when Rackley announced it, when War Rackley announced they were going to come out and uh, be a a team, one of the one of the guys I suggested that they hired and, and actually went on Twitter and, and said, hey, they should hire uh, Timothy Peters. And, uh, you know, to be honest, when I heard that, when I when I tweeted that, I should say, um, I kind of sat there and said, I know that's kind of a long shot because he's been out of the sport. He hasn't really run a lot of truck races here. You know, five and tw- eight in 2017, five in 2018, four in 2019, and one in 2020. He hasn't really run a lot of truck races here in the last f- four or five years. But every time he gets in a truck, he's very, very good. And sure enough, Spencer, that's who they go with, Timothy Peters, to drive the Wackley War truck here in 2021. Uh, a good veteran, 11 truck series wins. He's finished in the top five points four to- uh, five times in his career. Uh, top ten points, you know, he did a top ten points every year from 2009 to 2016. Uh, every year he's pretty much run full-time in trucks. He's finished in the top ten points. Uh, what were your thoughts when you read that Timothy Peters was going to be driving this uh, number 25 Rackley, Rackley War truck here in 2021, Spencer? I was stoked. Um, for some reason, I've always liked Timothy Peters. You know, I liked him, I've liked him ever since he raced at Red Horse, and he was teammates with Brett Moffitt there too, and unfortunately that team went sour. But, um, yeah, I like Tim and Timmy. Um, I think he's a veteran. He's very smart. I mean, like you mentioned, he doesn't run a lot, but, Look, he raced for GMS that time at Talladega and went and won. So, you know, my pick to win the truck race was probably Todd Gittle. And, and now that um, Timothy's in the field and, you know, it's a, play, it's a place where you don't really have to be that good, you can have the draft. Um, he's my new – he's the winner to win. And he's good. Uh, and I like – you know, like I said, I like Timothy. I think he's good for the sport. Um, he's just – he's a nice guy. And he's well-known in the truck series. I was a little shocked, you know, when you said that, I saw your tweet. I was like, man, that would be cool for him to come back. And sure enough, um, he's coming back to race. So and that's cool to have him back for, you know, full season. So I hope that team does well. And, you know, Timothy Peters is going to uh, get everything he can out of the race truck. I can tell you that. And Timothy Peters is like, a, he almost reminds me of like a Matt Crafton. He's an older guy. He's a veteran. He knows how to win races. Um, so I think they did an excellent hire as far as, you know, with him wanting to come back, that's, that's even cooler. So he still wants to race. So uh, they couldn't went with a better pick, if you ask me. Listen, I agree. And, and 
you know, I don't mean to to. I hope I don't insult anybody by by saying this, but you know, to me, it was a little refreshing to see a guy get a ride where he didn't have to bring sponsorship. And I know sponsorship is a major, major deal in this sport uh, nowadays, especially here in in, uh, in 2021. And, and we see so many guys, you know, you get that ride and they go, oh, I've never heard of him. How did he get that ride? And they go, well, he brings sponsorship. And you're like, okay. You know, and, and you come to live with that. You know, it's not necessarily the best. Uh, you know, sometimes it doesn't, you don't, it doesn't taste that good when you accept that and when you swallow that. But you sit there and go, that's part of the business of, of, of racing. But here – and, you know, I know there's there's probably other partners that they haven't announced, but with Rackley and uh, Willie Allen, the owners of this the uh, the owners of this team, um, they it sounds like they're going to be – they've got some pretty good partners there where they're going to sit there and go, we don't want to just come here and, you know, make money. Obviously, that's one part of it, but we want to be really good. Aligning with GMS Racing is a big deal, which is kind of crazy because GMS kind of, you know, pushed their alliances away here last year, if you remember – Friesen was gone. Uh, uh, nice kind of went by the wayside doing their own thing last year as well without the GMS aligning. And now they got this team. Um, and Peters, who was a GMS driver for a while, uh, last couple of years, sort of an interesting tie there. Um, but, you know, it, to me, it, it's, it's refreshing to hear uh, a, a guy get hired because they know that he was the best available driver. And uh, I, I think really that was the case here with Timothy Peters that, you know, uh, he was the best available driver, um, you know, for the truck series, and and they want to go out and try and run for a championship. They're actually war team. So it's going to be very interesting to see. Now it's 788 That's what I'm going to call here tonight. We're going to do some more, a couple of uh, preseason predictions. I'm going to start with Phil up here. Then we're going to go to Spencer. Um, so, uh, you know, if you did, weren't listening to the show last week, I'm going to ask the guys a couple of questions, give them a couple of options, and they're going to give me their their answer as far as uh, 2021 is concerned. Now, I, I, I ask you to bear with me here, and uh, as the show's going on, as I'm continuing to talk, my throat and my uh, everything that's going on with me, you know, as far as being sick, um, is getting worse and worse, and it's starting to show up on a show, and I apologize. But um, let's start with this, Philip. Uh, of, the dri- of these drivers, you know, th- this group of drivers that I'm going to hand to you, uh, that I'm going to ask you here, uh, Ryan Blaney, William Byron, Christopher Bell, or Bubba Wallace, uh, which of these drivers is most likely to have a breakout year? Now, let me define breakout year for you uh, before we – at least my definition of it – before we, we continue. Uh, my definition of a breakout year, because a lot of those drivers, that those four are sort of in a different group. Right now they're each in different groups. But as far as a breakout year – Multiple wins in a deep playoff run. We haven't seen Blaney do that yet. I know he's got a four wins cup. We haven't seen him do that yet. Byron, we haven't seen him do that yet. Of course, Bell and Bubble haven't been to victory lane yet. But um, what driver do you think is most likely to have a breakout year uh, in the Cup Series of Blaney, Byron, Bell, or Bubba Wallace? What's your thoughts, Philip? I mean, the easy answer for me is Christopher Bell. Uh, I want, uh, personally, I want the 23 car and Bubba Wallace, but the easy answer is Christopher Bell because he has Adam Stevens. Christopher Bell is one of the best raw talents that we have in this sport right now for all the PR that's going on 
for a certain other driver that has been able to do a lot of work on dirt. Chris Revelle is able to do that same kind of thing. And he's a Toyota guy. And Joe Gibbs has basically destroyed two teams in the process to go and kind of get Christopher Bell to where he's at right now. And the 20 car was an, was an iconic car with Tony Stewart and Matt Kenseth was able to come in and do good work in that car. And now they have, and Eric Jones is able to win a couple of races, but if they run Chris Bell out the door, it's going to be a problem for Toyota and for the sport. So to me, it's Chris Bell. Um, I want Bubba Wallace personally, but I think it's Chris Bell with Adam Stevens, that whole thing. It could happen here in a couple of weeks in the Bush Clash, the whole entire speed week. It could be a Toyota benefit because the way Denny Hamlin seems to win the 500. It could be a Toyota benefit, but I think it'll be Christopher Bell uh, goes out there and does work. Even though he's not a great super speedway racer, at some point you figure a guy of his talent and his ability will be able to put it together. And he wins big races. He wins big money races. And there's no bigger race in NASCAR than the 500. So we will find out and we will see um, Christopher Bell and what he can go, what he can do. Uh, I I personally think it it may not happen in Daytona, but I kind of think it will. But he's going to have a breakout year for sure. Oh, for sure. And, uh, you know, when you look at it, you know, I think he's certainly an option for that. Um, you know, as far as guys who will have a breakout year, uh, you know, there certainly could, you could go other options as well here. You know, I've, one of the guys that I, I, I toyed with and I, and I'm sure Spencer's going to want to go with this. One of the guys I toyed with and, and cause you can argue that he really hasn't had a breakout year yet is um, is Kyle Larson, who's uh, going to be at Hendrick this year, obviously driving a five car. Um, so, you know, not to to totally uh, answer your, the question for you, Spencer, but um, you know, I, I guess it's sort of the definition of breakout. It, it, it turns it, what it turns into ultimately is what is your definition of breakout? Um, with with Kyle Larson, you know he had that year where he won three races and, and he looked really good uh, a few years back. But you know he didn't make a deep playoff run, and uh, you know you're sort of waiting for Kyle Larson to I guess break out. Um, so I guess you can include him in this group if you want to as well. But um, you know if you're if you're going to pick Larson, let you know obviously give us the reasons why. But uh, uh, also you know if if it wasn't if it's not Larson. Or, you know, if it's Larson, who, who do you think is second most likely to break out as far as the four drivers we're discussing, as far as Bubba Bell, Byron, or Blaney? Uh, what are your thoughts on a breakout 
year for 2021, Spencer? So a breakout year to me is, you know, because like you said, everybody thinks the breakout year is different. Yeah, Larson had that good year in 2017. Um, but a breakout year to me is you don't run in the back. You know, you don't run 15th and 20th. You're up front, top five, top ten. You're leading laps every race, and you're, every race and you're winning the races. You're a threat to win. You're battling for leads on the last lap, and you just get out beat. That's a breakout year. For Kyle Larson, um, Kyle, like you mentioned, Kyle hasn't had a true breakout year. The whole time he's been with Ganassi, yeah, Ganassi wasn't that good. And this is coming from the biggest Larson fan. Um, and, you know, I'm on the top ten list, I can tell you that. I'm not a bandwagon guy because he's winning a lot of dirt races. And trust me, there's a lot of bandwagons for Kyle Larson. But join along. Um, he, But he still hasn't had that breakout year. You know, he hasn't had that deep playoff run um he hasn't even made it to the final four so for him he needs to go out and he needs to run top 10 top 12 and lead lead uh laps every race every race that goes for anybody that wants to have a breakout year not just kyle larson but the four guys that you gave philip and i'll be fair he had to choose from those four i'll choose is blaney um that one win a year that penske ain't gonna cut it you know i don't care how much sponsorship um, you bring, and key fact, if, you know, people don't know this, Menards isn't paying a single dollar on that race car. If Jack Lynx is on the hood, they're paying Menards sponsorship. If Pete's on that hood, they're paying Menards, um, they're paying Menards part, part of that. Um, and I found that out from an inside source. So Blaney doesn't really bring big sponsorship. So if somebody comes into Penske and brings massive sponsorship and can win races, Blaney needs to be worried because he hasn't won races. You know, he's won races in the truck series. He's won races in the Xfinity series, but he just has not. You know, I thought the beginning of this year was going to be great. He had, he had could have won all four races in the beginning, and it just never happened. Um, winning a plate race once a year is not going to cut it, and I think he needs a breakout year with this year, really. And if not, 2022 needs to be be the year or he needs to start worrying about his job at Penske. And I think we would all agree. Um, you know, how long has he been at Penske in the 12 car? Three years now, four years, maybe yep. three since yep. seven, 18. So, um, I would have figured more wins. I mean, look what his teammates are doing, making the final four. They're winning four, you know, five races a year running up front, you know, each, uh, weekend and week out. That's what he needs. He needs to mimic what Logano and Brad's doing. And he's just not doing that. Yeah, listen, I, I think that's the answer for me. Um, you know, obviously, all those guys are certainly capable of having a breakout year, uh, whether it's Byron, who, you know, we've sort of been waiting for Byron to find his footing as well here in Cup and and show the success he had in Trucks and Xfinity in the Cup Series. Um, you know, but I think he still has a couple of years to prove that. Um, Bubba Wallace, obviously, I think it, it's it's – uh, a little unfair to ask him in his first year with a big-time organization um, to go out there and win multiple races. I think if he makes the playoffs and, and uh, is very has a very capable year, um, I think that's a successful year for a team, you know, out of the box, brand new out of the box, to get their feet underneath them here in 2021. Um, you know, Bell obviously is in his third year, but uh, or second year, excuse me, but in a different um, race car this year. And, uh, you know, again, you look at him and say, 
maybe maybe you know if he doesn't win in 2021, it's not the end of the world. Uh, but Blaney is a is a guy we've we've seen real flashes from, but it just seems like he hasn't been able to put a full year together. Um, so yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think Blaney's might would be my answer to to that, Spencer. Um, you know, I just think we're just waiting for him to to blossom. And I think he's got all the skill in the world. I think Penske is a great race team. Uh, everything's wait, we're just everything's waiting for him to to you know everything's set up for him to have a great year. And for whatever reason, it just hasn't been there yet for him. So uh, something that that is going to be very interesting to keep an eye on here as 2021 rolls along. And I mentioned you know we're two weeks away from the, the Bush Clash. So it's, uh, you know, we're getting closer and closer to the year. Okay, next one here, guys, and um, this can be the last one of the night. Uh, and this one's a little bit complicated. I hope it's not too complicated for us to answer here. But what organization that did not make the playoffs in 2020? So keep that in mind. It's not that they missed the playoffs, but they didn't make it. Um, and and you'll see what I mean by that in a little bit. That didn't make the playoffs in 2020 is most likely to make the playoffs in 2021. Let me rephrase that. What organization that wasn't in the playoffs in 2020 is most likely to play, make the playoffs in 2021? I'm going to start with Spencer with this one. So is it Rash Fenway, JTG, Richard Petty Motorsports, or 2311 Racing? Well, of those four organizations, Rash Fenway, JTG, RPM, or 2311, which of those teams that was not in the playoffs in 2020 – is most likely to make the playoffs in 2021. What are your thoughts? Um, RPM. And people's like, people might say, what? I think Eric Jones is a hell of a race car driver. I really do. I mean, he beat Kyle Busch in the Snowball Derby, and this is the reason he's where he's at today. Um, I mean, look, he dominated the truck series, won a little bit in the Xfinity series. The guy can drive a race car. And there's a reason Toyota's kept him around this long, because – what other drivers did Toyota have besides Eric Jones that they've kept? They're all gone. Um, so there's a reason they've kept him. RPM obviously is not up to par with um, the other teams. Yeah, you can say JT, uh, JTG can make it in because Stenhouse can win a plate track. But we don't just run on plate tracks. We run on everything. Eric Jones can get the job done in that 43 car, and I'm telling you, it's going to happen this year. I see him winning at a plate track. I see him running very well. Um I think that team's going to be very happy with the results. And, you know, we have a lot of cars to make the playoffs. So with them having – and I'm not saying Bubba wasn't – you know, I like Bubba. I don't have a problem with Bubba. I'm not saying Bubba couldn't get the job done. But Eric Jones can drive a race car. And I, I think it's um, – I think Eric Jones is going to put the famous 43 in the playoffs, which would be huge for the sport. I mean, Twitter is going to blow up if that 43 car makes um, playoffs. And, you know, that's good exposure. And um, – People's like, man, Jones got a downgrade. He might have got a downgrade from Joe Gibbs, no doubt about it. But I still think he's going to do very well in the race car, and um, I hope he has a phenomenal year. Yeah, the only thing I would question with that team, and it's the same question we had with Bubba Wallace when he was there last year and even the year prior, is is how much funding does that team have for 2021? Um, you know, that Richard Petty obviously is an iconic name. Everybody knows Richard Petty. Uh, Andrew Mercy seems pretty, pretty um, you know, Loyal there, he's pretty committed. They were going to give Bubba a piece of that organization last year before he moved on to a to a new team. Um, so they they're here for a long haul, I think RPM is. But you know they're a solo cooperation, sort of on their own. I love Jerry Baxter as a crew chief, but that, that's my one thing with them is 
is that they're sort of on their own. They get some help from Richard Childress Racing, but they're a solo corporation per se. Now, 2311 is a solo corporation, but they're going to have a much more strong alliance, I think, with Joe Gibbs Racing than RPM is going to have with Richard Childress Racing. And, and Joe Gibbs, the last few years, has certainly performed a lot better than Richard Childress Racing. Uh, so that that's certainly something to factor in. Um, but like I said earlier, you know, 2311 is their first year. So it, it might be a lot to ask, you know, Bubba Wallace in his first year to go out and make the playoffs. So we'll go to Philip with this one. Uh, you know, what's interesting, Philip, about this question is, you know, Rash Fenway and JTG have multi-cooperations. RPM and 2311 don't, so you almost have a uh, two times better shot if you're Rash Fenway and JTG to make the playoffs. Now, we're not sure about that 37 just yet. They're going to run as an open team. There's rumors that maybe the 37 isn't going to run a whole schedule. We'll see. You know, I know a lot of people were concerned by Ryan Priest. You know, his pictures of his suit this past week that we saw that didn't necessarily have a big-time sponsor on it. Uh, I'm not so sure about that, but I guess we'll see as the season goes on. But uh, what's your answer to this question, Philip? Uh, which organization that was not in the playoffs in 2020 is most likely to make the playoffs in 2021? Roush, JTG, RPM, or 2311? Who do you got? Yeah, I mean, you you brought up uh, JTG, uh, Clayton, when it comes to uh, Ryan Priest, and he's already kind of hedging with his modified. He put pictures out on the Insta and Twitter uh, with his tour type modified, and he's already ready to go, whether it's running up here, uh, up north, running down south, He's kind of hedging either way uh, since 37 doesn't even have a charter. And that's kind of a pretty big deal in our current uh, situation here in NASCAR Cup Series racing that you're not locked in every week. Even though we're more than likely not going to have full fields most weeks, it's kind of a problem because they're not going to make a whole lot of money to go and show up. Uh, but in terms of the question that you posed, I'll, I'll go and take a different angle and I will go, I mean, the Eric Jones based on talent, the Jerry Baxter based on his greatness and putting up with MW 55 being a, you know, a horrible person and liking certain things. Um, there's a lot of potential there. And Eric Jones is hedging for what he's going to be able to get in 2022. And I think he's going to have a lot of options, but I'll go and go different from Spencer. And I'm going to go 2311 because Bubba already came out and said, we need to win two races because I have to go and show that I can win races. It's been a few years for him. He won for MDM in a truck at Michigan International Michigan Speedway. They they changed the name, but he went and won a 99 Maestro's truck, and his BFF Blaney went and pranked him on the on his podcast after you won that race. The fact is, it's been a while for um, Bubba to go and win. 
and he's already hedging. You have you have people there. You have Toyota TRD equipment. You have Michael Jordan, Denny Hamlin. There's so many pieces there. Bubba has to show up, or else he's going to be walking Asher at home, and there's going to be Instagram Instagram videos of walking Asher at home, and he's going to be taking photographs. Um, you're still going to have Amanda, and that's fine. But in terms of a racing career, he needs to go and come out here and show that he is the kind of guy that can can do the work. Even though people are not going to like him one way or the other, he can do the work. And I believe he can. It's it's this year and uh, this year or next year, whatever. He has a couple of years to prove it. Um, but I feel like this year he's going to put a lot of pressure on himself uh, to go and get the job done. And they have the equipment. They have one of the greatest athletes ever lived in Michael Jordan as a as a funder as an owner, and um, Dennis Hamlin with uh, some of the other extracurriculars that he does. He's a three-time Daytona 500 winner. Uh, wouldn't be a bad look for him to go and sell out and, and push Bubba to a win. It would be a good look for the sport. So personally to me, it's 23-11. That's interesting. You know, um... I'm not sure how Joe Gibbs Racing would feel about that, but uh, 23-11, as far as the teams we, we uh, I, I had in there, and that's the reason why I kind of included them, is they certainly look like they have the um, best situation heading into the season. You know, they, they got a, a close association with Joe Gibbs Racing. Mike Wheeler's won a Daytona 500 before. Um, you know, Bubba Wallace is, is, is a, a good driver. He's won truck races before, uh, multiple truck races, had a really good year. Um, you know, had a pretty good year last year with Richard Petty Motorsports. So they look like they're in the best spot. You know, I'm a little down on RPM, to be honest, because I, I just think as a solo corporation it, it, and, and not really a strong affiliation, you're asking a lot for that team to go out there. I, I do agree. Jones is a heck of a race car driver, and hopefully I'm wrong there. Uh, but, you know, I just I don't see them making the playoffs unless he pulls off a, a win. But I'll say this about 23-11 before we end. I, if I was a Bubba Wallace fan and I heard what he said this week, I'd be thrilled. I thought his comments were outstanding. You know, there's a lot of times where a guy will come out and say, well, you know, what I what my expectations are. You know, and they say, well, you know, we're not really expecting, you know, it's first year. You know, I don't really want to – I don't know if we should go out and win. We're, we're going to be able to win this year, et cetera, et cetera. And that's fine because that's really realistic expectations. But, you know, if your team like – if you're a guy like Bubba who sits there and been waiting for this opportunity for his whole life – to get into a big time ride like this, and for if he came out and said, "Well, we just want to make the playoffs," you're like, "Yeah," but it gets you fired up when you hear a guy say, "Listen, we want to go out, we want to win multiple races, we want to be a player this year." Uh, you're like, oh, "Heck yeah!" That's what I want to hear as a Wallace fan. So I, I, I would have been thrilled if I heard that from him this year. But you know, my answer is going to be different than all three of you, and maybe it's my Ford bias kicking in. Uh, maybe it's my bias of, of Chris Buescher kicking in. But I just see that Roush team. I don't see Roush not making the playoffs in back-to-back years. Um, you know, I know they had a really tough year last year, no question. Uh, I just think Roush last year sort of 
got a little bit behind because they weren't really expecting not to have some practice time and, and they were never really able to catch up. This year, obviously, they know what the deal is. I think they're going to be bigger, better race cars. And uh, I expect Bush should have a really good year this year. And, um, you know, Rash sort of – I wouldn't say they're going to have a full resurgence where you're going to see them, you know, like they were in 2008, 2009. But I'm expecting them to perform a little bit better than where they were in 2020 here in 2021. And to me, that makes – that means one of those teams are going to make the playoffs. Uh, and, and, you know, as far as JTT is concerned, um, they're an interesting team because I like Stenhouse a lot. I think he's a, he's a definitely an aggressive driver, and he drives over his head sometimes. There's no question about that. But, you know, I'm not sure about that whole situation with that second car. And to me, it's, you're asking a lot for a solo cooperation again. That doesn't have a strong affiliation like RPM if you're JTG to make the playoffs. I think you're asking a lot for that. So, um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see which of those teams has the best year. Uh, I want to thank everybody for bearing, bearing with us tonight. I know, um, you know, I might not, might not be the best – uh, listen tonight because of, of my voice and everything that's gone on, but I appreciate you sticking with us. I appreciate Matt Tift coming on the show, being great. He was awesome. It was awesome to have him, and hopefully we'll have him again soon. I'll be back here next week. We'll be a week away from Daytona doing more uh, of our preseason predictions. We're going to go to Xfinity and Trucks next year. Now that a lot more of that is announced, we'll have a, a lot more of those um, predictions as well. As a couple more cup predictions, stay with us here. If you liked what you heard, you like what you listen to tonight on Talking Circles, be sure to give us a like on Twitter, like us on Facebook where we share and stuff and posting stuff to our social media pages. And uh, be sure to, to follow us uh, wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, I want to thank everybody for listening tonight. We'll see you next time. Good night, everybody.